This is The Gowalla Story, an exploration of the rise, fall, and reinvention of a startup. Hosted by its creator, Josh Williams, and by me, I'm Dan Benjamin. This is our second episode. Hey, Josh, how you doing today? Hey, Dan, how's it going? Uh, everything is going good here. I think, you know, we kind of, we kind of left it at kind of a cliffhanger, sort of, uh, last episode. And, um, but there's so much to talk about. And you gave me, right before the show, this is what they call Inside Baseball, Right before the show, you kind of walked me through what you were thinking about, you know, that you want to talk about over the next few episodes. I just got to say, for me, the like the test to see if a show is going to be good is do I want to listen to it? And I really want to hear these stories. Like, it's really interesting to me, not just because of everything that you're able to share now with the perspective that you have of looking back on every really everything that happened over the course of the first koala and the new, but... Because there are so many stories that haven't been told, that people don't know, that I think are not only interesting, but valuable for other people who are thinking to themselves, I want to get into this, or I, I want to do a startup, or I might, I might want to be, I might want to use Gowala again when, it, when it's back, you know, like, it's just, it's really interesting. Uh, th- thanks so much for, for saying that. I, I feel like it's a little bit, it's cathartic for me to, to tell the stories. Um, so, you know, you get to be a little bit of like startup shrink. You know, right? Absolutely. With me, because some of, a lot of it hasn't been told before, so it's fascinating, and it's it's interesting to go back and and walk through it again. For sure. So where do how do so we get I, back into this? Yeah, where did we leave off? When we left off, we you know we were out fundraising, and you know if you recall, Foursquare had raised a our our rival our check-in rival had uh had raised um raised some money and was gaining hype and momentum and we knew that uh, again we had a product that needed to be improved and um, we needed the ability to kind of raise you know raise awareness around what we were doing and also show the market and and the market quote unquote um that, that we were for real and if you recall we we dropped a you know an update a, a 1.1 update to Gowala. i, I want to say in um this is august maybe september but i believe it was august of uh 2009 and and this had a lot more you know a lot of fixes that we had planned with regard to social connections and it uh it really worked as we expected and and our, our growth started to kick off and we began to meet with investors in Silicon Valley. We we did kind of a check-in road show up and down Sand Hill, Hill Road. This is when Sand Hill Road was still populated pre-pandemic and oh, yeah. pre-relocation yep. to San Francisco. And so it was like classic Silicon Valley at the time. And that was a fascinating experience, uh, especially, again, for uh, – a younger founder from Texas who, you know, I, I didn't go to, I didn't go to school. I, I didn't have context on um, like this was even a thing. Well, let know? me ask you something uh, to take a step back for a second. Was that a consideration at all for the investors that you had or for the other people that you were doing business with? Like, w- was that part of, was that like the, 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 the black mark on your resume in any kind of a way or? Uh, actually not. And I feel like Silicon Valley is a bit weird in that it, it plays to the bookends on this particular subject. You know, either either they're looking for, you know, credentials, you know, out the ears and, and they want to see, you know, all the degrees from all the best schools. Right. 
or or actually the fact that you you didn't go to school in some ways um, is viewed as a you know a, a mark of um, you know a mark of honor. And uh, in, in my situation, uh, it was uh, unintentional in the sense that. Uh, my family had a, a landscaping business, a very blue collar company. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom passed away when I was when I was 18. And so I ended up kind of having to run the business uh, for th- oh, three wow. or four years uh, during a time that um, most people would have gone to uh, right, college. And right, so right. it was, um, again, not not necessarily by by choice, but it was. Uh, you know, some, some interesting life circumstances there. And, you know, and, and I didn't, I didn't really think about it a whole lot. Um, and then I think you get to that place of, you know, uh, people do look at, Hey, here's a team that's come together and they've built something interesting and they kind of look at the, you know, the sum of the parts and, you know, start to gloss over a little bit of like the, the individual, you know, credentials of any, of any one person. And, you know, we, we had wind in our sails at that point. And so I don't think it was really ever, um, a concern. It definitely was like naivety on my part though, still of like, uh, this is a new world to me. And I felt like I was learning stuff every day, you know, with regard to, Oh, wow. These people want to write you, you know, write you checks and, and here's how it lands. And, and fortunately I was, um, I was connected with some really, with some really great people. Um, we had really great counsel. Uh, I mean like sidebar, if you're, um, if you are doing this thing and you are, you know, building a company, get, you know, get yourself good attorneys. Um, oh. <laughs> and w- ones that, and I don't mean that like a scary sort of way, but like, I really feel like the guys that, uh, that I've worked, I still work with them now to this day. Um, they're friends, you know, yeah. and they, 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 they see a lot of crap with you. And, um, if you find the right ones, you know, they, um, you know, they can help you navigate, you know, the, the waters and, um, and so, uh, you know, again, sidebar, um, golly, the rates are, rates are ridiculous, but, uh, you know, if, if they're good people, they're, they're worth it. Um, so, so yeah, there's my, um, plug for, plug for legal department. There. No, and they'll you know what? I'll, butt, I'll will, save your butt down the road. <laughs> I will completely corroborate everything that you just said. It's, it, it's the kind of thing that, that when you look for the first time and like really investigate how expensive it is to hire an attorney you're like um can't can't i just like find a website to do this for me or something right Uh, because it's so expensive like it's it's and there's no like you're not the other thing is like it's not like well if you go with someone cheaper then they're just not going to be as good there isn't anyone cheaper like you no you're in a band yeah band is expensive (laughs) that's right like you know (laughs) You can choose between the Ferrari and the Bugatti. Right. But you're still like. <laughs> there is, there's you know? no Hyundai option for you. No, no. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's right. I, again, fortunately, I mentioned my, my parents had a landscaping business, which was, which was very blue collar, but you, they, growing up, I learned, you know, from I was my gonna dad say, you too, must that, have learned tons about business from that. Yeah. And you realize, I remember the first time I, you know, when I, I did, um, this was, this was prior to Guala. I had a, you know, a, a, oddly a cyber piracy lawsuit that I was involved in, uh, which sounds a lot more exciting than it really is. I was going to say that's like, I remember, really <laughs> sounds interesting. <laughs> right. 
Uh, that's a different, a different episode. But I remember the one thing coming out of that is uh, my dad at that time was like, look, you know, the expenses seem like a lot, but you just have to think about it as it's like a marketing expense or whatever. You just you amortize it over the cost of doing business and you have a budget for it and you adjust your prices accordingly. And, you know, um, if you think about it more and, and that I think is a whether you're you're doing a startup or whether you're running your own small business, it 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 um it helps to take that perspective of oh well, this is just something I need to account on and um you know bake it into my rates so to say right um, sure and so uh, yeah so yeah here we are we're we're raising money and um so th- this is where it's interesting and you hear people talk about term sheets and um you know pre money valuations post money valuations. Uh, and I think the mechanics are, are, are somewhat interesting to discuss because I don't know that, you know, everybody quite understands, you know, what's happening when you read somebody raise so much money at a such and such valuation, you know, what that actually, what that actually looks well, like. Well, yeah, on, explain on that, paper. but also maybe you could explain like how those things are determined. Like how is a valuation of a company that's right. new or that doesn't, you know, doesn't have thousands of users or, or maybe if it does, you know, how does all of that get figured out? That's right. And so usually you start with kind of, you know, the 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 re, the starting point is, you know, you have a budget and you're looking to grow. And so that growth is going to require uh, servers. It's going to require headcount. It's going to require, you know, marketing expense. And so you have some idea that uh, here's the money we're going to need to fuel this next, you know, um, stage of, of growth. And in Silicon Valley, you know, startup world, Generally, this is viewed, you know, under the lens of like an 18 to 24 month period. And so you're always kind of looking at like, I need to raise money. I need to figure out what I need to get myself through the next 18 to 24 months. The general thought being like within 18 to 24 months, you'll be able to know like this thing is growing and we'll have, you know, justification to either raise more money or we'll be profitable or within 18 to 24 months, we'll know this is a crappy idea and we can, you know, put it out to pasture. And right. that's kind of your time window that you're you're working under there. And so we had that we had that rubric. We knew what we, you know, we A, we we knew what Foursquare had raised. Uh, ah. and we knew, hey, we we needed to grow. Uh our team at the time was maybe, you know, I want to say 10 to 12. And we wanted to get it up to, you know, 30, 35. And so you kind of look and say, okay, well, here's what it's going to cost. Well, hit hit pause for a second. Hit pause. Why that number? Why that many uh, people? That's a good question. Uh, it comes down to, and like in this case, uh, we had a, uh, we had an iOS only product. And so this is one of the, one of the decisions. Oh, mistakes were made. Oh man. So, uh, <laughs> so, so we had an iOS only product. And, and of course this is early days of mobile. And so you, you think we can grow so far on iOS, but actually, oh man, there's this, there's still Blackberry and so many people are using Blackberry. Oh, and there's right. also, that was still around then, wasn't it? Oh man. And there's also, there's Crazy. the Palm OS and it was kind of hot and some people had left Apple to work on that. And it right. was interesting uh, because Palm was still a thing. I remember and, I had one. And, and then, then there's a Windows phone. It was a nice, I still have mine. I still have my, my Palm Pre. It's a, it's a cute Yeah, I phone. have it too. My kids run around with it all the time now. It does. It does look like a toy yeah. for sure. Um, so the, and then there's Android, which is very, very new. And, and of course, there's this assumption that it would be big because it was open source and then Windows Phone. So you look at that and you're like, well, 
if we're going to grow in all these places, we need an engineer or, or multiple engineers for each of those. We need a designer for for those. We're um, we need somebody to handle business development. We need um, you know another person to work on the API. And you start just adding these things up, and like pretty quickly, you can get to a place of justifying, hey, we need 20 more people than we have right now. Right. We already have 10, so that's going to take us to 30. And so that's kind of, you know, you start writing these things down. And and, and then the other, the other thing that you need to know um, is that venture capitalists in this high growth world, you know, they want you to spend the money. And so when you come and say, oh man, I, you know, uh, they have capital to deploy. Um, and the truth also that I think a lot of people more so realize now, but but back then even when I say a lot of people, what I mean is I didn't know at the time. Right. <laughs> um, so you realize like, oh, when when Greylock or Benchmark or whoever is giving you money, they're not actually giving you their money. They're investing on behalf of somebody else. Uh, oftentimes it's a, you know, an institution like Harvard University or somebody's large endowment or the New York State Teachers Pension Fund. Right. Uh, and so this money is coming from other places. Oftentimes it's even coming from other funds that in turn are getting their money from other places. And it's just like a giant like waterfall, you know, going up the, you know, up the trickle with people. Tur- taking, turtles all know, the way down, through. right? Right. Um, and, and so they have a mandate to put this money into, into companies that are going to grow. And so when you go and say, Hey, I want to raise money and they kind of like, Oh man, here's a, here's a, where we can, you know, stash another five or 10 or $20 million. And, and so when you have these meetings, they, they want to hear, you know, here's, here's the plan and here's how, um, in fact, we get rid of all that money in 18 months. So either we have to raise more or, um, or we've gotten really big, uh, and we will return your money 100x uh, or, or whatnot. And, and and to be clear, they're not looking for like 5x or 1x or 10x returns. They're looking for 100x, 200x you right. know, type returns. No pressure. Thousand x. Yeah, n- no pressure. Now, now, the flip side is, is most of these investors also realize they are in a, you know, an asset class of risk capital. And they understand that, you know, the vast majority of the money that they put to work um certainly at the earlier stages is, is going to go to zero. So if they invest in 30 companies, you know, 15 of them are, are, are DOA, uh, 13 of them might, you know, break even. And you've got one or two, if you're lucky that, that go, you know, hundred X or 200 X or, or more. And the reality is that with that one company does that, then it, then it, you know, atones for the sins of the other, you know, 20, <laughs> that's a great way to put it. <laughs> Um, so, so there's just, there's interesting math at work here. And, and, you know, for, for me, when we were doing these pitch meetings up and down Sand Hill road, uh, obviously there's a lot of interest. Uh, the space was, was very, you know, hype at the moment where I got the most drag again, to be honest, was that we were in Austin and it was interesting because, you know, Foursquare was in New York and we were in Austin and there, here was a a new flavor of social media startup, of which uh, Silicon Valley really did not have its own key player. And, and there were some other people doing things in the location space that were out of out of the Bay Area, uh, but none of them with kind of the you know the media attention or growth that. Uh, 
that Gowala and Foursquare had, you know, mm. at the time. And that so makes sense. there's a lot, there's a lot of interesting, um, uh, I met with a lot of investors who are like, oh man, we're so interested in this. And are you, you know, will you move the team to, to the Bay area? And, and that was a non-starter for us. We had just gone through the process of moving, you know, if you recall from Dallas to Austin, yeah. so obviously we're not going to do that again. And so it was pretty much a, Hey, you know, you I mean, did you have, did you there. have people saying no to you? Like, like if you don't move, we won't, we won't invest. Yeah. We had a couple, uh, but fortunately they were nobody, uh, nobody strung us out because of that. It, right. You know, we got to that place pretty quickly. You could tell there were people that, um, that was, that was fine for them. And, um, they didn't have a problem with that. They, and usually it's just a matter of, Hey, we have a partner, you know, at the firm who's willing to, you know, travel out there, you know, four times, six times a year uh, to see you. Or, you know, we we believe that you'll make the same effort to come out this direction. And they're cool with that. But right. there are definitely some that just kind of that's a you know non-starter and you don't get over the hill. And, and your goal with all of this is, is to get to the, you know, get to a term sheet. And, and the term sheet basically says, OK, you've told us. Uh, that you want to raise, you know, five million dollars, and I think when we went out, that's what we were starting with. We said we want to raise five or six million dollars, and and so your goal is to get somebody to come back and say we will give you that five million dollars, and in doing so, uh, we will do it at a you know pre money valuation of twenty million dollars, and what this means is is that we see the progress that you have made to date being worth. $20 million. And again, we're just making these numbers up. Right. You know, for some enterprise companies that have revenue, you know, um, there's maybe a little bit more math to this and them justifying how the revenue turns into the valuation. But for, you know, social consumer, a lot of this is truly, you know, based on, on growth and growth potential. And so uh, the number comes out of like, we'll give you five and, and we believe that your, you know, your company is worth, you know, 20 right now. And so we'll put in five on top of that. Ergo, the post money valuation is now you know twenty five million dollars. And um, uh, of course, they buy they buy their stock at a you know uh, they're buying preferred stock, so it has different sorts of rights and privileges that are conferred with it uh, that basically ensure that they get their money back out you know first. And you know that's the way that it works, right? Um, so that's that was you know so you're trying to get to that that term sheet now the term sheet you know may come with other stipulations of like well we we're gonna do, these are the terms we'll give it to you on but we also want a board seat and we also you know maybe we want you to move the company or uh, you have to do X Y and Z to go along with it and so you're always kind of looking at that sort of stuff as well and there's you know as an as a founder and as a founding team you're giving up you know some amount of your company for each of these rounds and, yeah and. If you're, and not only that, uh, moving forward, you're hiring new people. And so you need to make sure you set aside stock, you know, for them so they can also, you know, participate in the upside of this. So you may be giving 20% to an investor, and then you may also be carving off another, you know, 10, 15, 20%, you know, for new employees. And so a funding round like this, you, you know, at that time, especially, uh, you could, you know, lop off 30 to 40% of your company just like that. And so these are, these are interesting things you have to pay attention to. Uh, Cause you can really did you quickly, have, like, but did, did you have to figure all this out on your own? Did you have a guide? Was there a mentor? Was there someone on your team that was familiar with this kind of thing that kind of walked you through it? Or was it simply trial by error? 
Well, fortunately, uh, again, I mentioned our, our, our legal counsel earlier, um, and they were immensely invaluable with this. They'd worked with you know a number of uh, high profile you know companies previously, and then also, if you recall, you know Sean Parker was on our, our right, board. Right. Uh, he of uh, Facebook fame, and Sean was. Um, uh, you know, he's a great startup whisperer for this sort of stuff. He, you know, uh, had, had been through highs and lows himself and was, you know, willing to navigate, you know, these these issues with us. And also Gilman, our other board member as well. And, and your your existing investors have an interesting role through this process, because in one sense, they need to be a little bit hands off. They're looking for, you know, somebody else to effectively like validate their previous investment and then also like mark it up, you know, raise the valuation. Right. right. And, and so there's a little bit of a, there's a little gamesmanship of, you know, they even help you stir the pot a little bit too. You know, it's the back backroom emails of, Oh, did you hear the Goala's raising money again? (laughs) And, and uh, you should talk to them, get the update. And and so there's a little bit of that pot stirring that that goes on as well. And so Sean and Gilman were were extremely you know invaluable you know during that process uh, in terms of like helping me kind of stay eyes wide open on it. And we were again fortunate to have a you know again a, an attractive company right uh, from an investment standpoint. And so you know quickly we had I say over a course of you know three. Uh, three weeks or so met with you know probably close to 30 uh, 30 firms and you know your goal again is to get to a term sheet and they say you know you know one term sheet is is if it's worth you know x then you know two two term sheets is not two x it's more like you know uh, three or four x because you start to have leverage Um, and then if you have three term sheets then things get weird and you start to you know you you end up in a place where, as a founder, you can um, you can drive the train a whole lot more, right? Um, and start to dictate, you know, what you want out of it. And we uh, were in a situation where uh, quickly we were able to uh, secure uh, three term sheets. Um, oh wow! From from different investors, and I'm I'm going to leave uh, the two the two who ultimately didn't you know, didn't get the deal nameless um, just because they're good people. And, and uh, I've never talked about, you know, the, who's are the particulars and obviously you'll know the one that did, but we, we were the three that came emerged at the end. Um, uh, one of them was Greylock partners and they're the ones that ultimately, you know, ended up leading this deal. Now I mentioned that we were raising, you know, five to six. Well then the other thing that you realize is like, Oh yeah, my previous investors, they, they want to invest uh, more money too. Not only that, they, they kind of have a right to um, in a lot of cases and they did in our situation. Um, and so now you realize, okay, if, if Greylock is going to put in, um, you know, their 5 million, uh, at a at a twenty million dollar you know pre money valuation, then uh, we have existing investors and and they want to put in another two or three themselves, and then you you end up also meeting a bunch of you know now people widely knows angel investors who come along and like oh well let this person invest twenty five thousand let this person invest fifty thousand and they'll they'll help you out because they can introduce you to such and such celebrity or are big in such and such a community and you you know add another uh half dozen of those people on and next thing you know your your five million dollar round became an eight and a half million dollar round um 
and you've sold that much more of your company. Now, now in the in the midst of all this, um, the decision to go with Greylock was was really interesting. At the time, you know, the there were a few big names in Silicon Valley. There's um, you know Benchmark and Excel. Um, the, there's Sequoia, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dreesen Horowitz had just, you know, had just started and, and we pitched them as well. And they were one of the ones early on that said, hey, we love this. And, and Austin's a non-starter for us. Um, uh, but in fact, they helped us connect with with other people who did end up investing. And so I, I've always thought, you know, highly of them. Um, and, and then we had another investor that, uh, man, they were great. And um I got to know the the partner from this firm, you know, over the course of you know a number of weeks. Uh, really interested in this space. We vibed well, uh, as the kids say now. And um, uh, but the the name of the firm was 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 somewhat um, somewhat unknown. And uh, certainly from a again name recognition standpoint. Whereas whereas Greylock was right in the middle of deploying what became one of the most successful like large venture funds in history uh the they had put money into facebook dropbox and airbnb out of the same wow. out of the same fund uh, and so they were you know in a lot of ways playing with house money and also um uh, I just had this name recognition and there were incredible partners there. And I met with them and I thought, man, these, these guys are, these guys are fantastic. And so Greylock, um, and, and they were willing to work with us in Austin. In fact, uh, the partner that was going to work with us, uh, he himself had a history in Austin and was willing to make the trip there. So man, this looked great. And right at the 11th hour, we had, we had terms from Greylock, uh, to sign. And, and this other firm, this other, this other guy, the gentleman that I, you know, jived with, I get a term sheet. I'm in Austin. Again, I still remember where it was, where I was at the moment. And he sent a, a blank term sheet. And well, that's and like unheard said, of, right? I mean, that that never happens. It, it, it blew my mind. <laughs> and it was one of these things. And, and he, he left the valuation field empty. And he called <laughs> me and he said, write wow. what you want. Really? Uh, yeah. He said, write what you want in there and I'll sign it. Whoa. And... Golly, um, it was it was one of those moments of like, what? Um, what just happened? <laughs> what, yeah, what just happened? What do I do? And you know, you you've gone and gone on the diligence process with with these firms, and and uh, and I remember like just thinking, man, but you know, um, but Greylock, you know, they're these right. are the guys that they did they did Airbnb and Dropbox and, and Facebook and like that's what we want to be. We want to be, you know, and you can look at those archetype companies and um, it's like that's that's what we wanted to go to bat with. Right, um, because in a way it's not just about getting money, it's about the benefits of working with a particular company or person at a particular right. company, what doors they can open or how they can create buzz, like you were saying before. So it's more complicated, it sounds like, than just who's going to give us money or who's going to give it to us today or... Am, am I right that's about correct. that? Does that sound... No, that, that's absolutely right. And, and, and to be fair, there, there are some, uh, again, I think there are firms out there that you know uh, are entirely just a bad fit, either from a, a personality standpoint or... Uh, from a partner standpoint, and even if uh, even if on paper the uh, the numbers are better, you still choose you know you choose the other one. And, and in this particular case, 
Uh, there was nothing inherently wrong. You know, in fact, there's so many right things about, you know, about this blank term sheet that came in. And um, uh, but I, I was pretty, you know, stargazy about, you know, working with mm-hmm. with Greylock and the cachet that they had. And I and I had to call this uh, gentleman back and say, hey, man, I love you. And, and you know, we've, we've decided to go a different direction. And, right. and, I, and I think, you know, um, that it was it was a really difficult phone call to make. And um, we were able to, uh, you know, find room in the round for this investor to participate, but obviously not at the, you know, not at the place that they had wanted to. Um, and, you know, that that was, it was disappointing to them, I know. And it, this comes back around, you know, later in the story. Um, but it's an interesting twist that's worth calling out because this is one of those decisions that ultimately had serious serious ramifications really you know for for oh yeah uh, for us as a company um so but man like i i will say so we we, we signed the terms um with graylock and you know you, then you go through a diligence process and it closes and all the money shows up in your account and, and that must the be races. completely and, surreal right to like you have an account and then like suddenly now there's seven figures in it or eight figures in it i mean that had to be a moment right right it it was and again we were we were a little bit small town texas and i remember like our bank manager you know one of these times i actually (laughs) the um one of the checks because we when we originally did our first round and we got our first money from sean this is funny um because you know if you recall sean uh out of founders fund you know they wrote us a million dollars a million dollar check and and I remember we had to open a bank account with that so I took it in and <laughs> that's and, not uh, something they're going to see every day no and like uh, you know again I had I had accounts at this place already um I, I had other businesses and my my bank manager she was a, a, a sweet older woman and I remember I, I had the check and she was just writing out the uh, the deposit slip and I hadn't handed it over to her and how much how much you know, is a million dollars and her her jaw kind of dropped, and and it was like, well, well how many zeros does that? Have? Uh-huh. <laughs> I remember uh, it was like, oh, this is just not an everyday no. everyday thing. No. Um, FDIC doesn't share this, so um, so yeah, it's a little bit of an unusual, you know, unusual sort of turn of events there for sure. And um, but now we're. You know, we're off to the races. Greylock was great, uh, and, and in terms of providing kind of the support that they said that they would. And, you know, they kind of, these firms kind of swing into action and they have, oh, we'll introduce you to people who can help you with marketing, people who can help you with growth. And that was at the beginning of kind of these, you know, full service sort of venture firm uh, relationships. And and they were, you know, really fantastic in that regard. Um, and, in our, and our growth, you know, at that time continued. And this is, you know, fall of, 2009 uh we're heading into to 2010 and if you recall we launched at south by southwest you know march of 2009 earlier that year right so now we're looking ahead to south by southwest of 2010 and you know this is our chance to you know release the next big version of koala and continue this growth and what are we going to do also we have you know we have this money and we can you know we can spend it on you know the marketing and, and in the lead up all of a sudden you could tell there's just this um really big push on uh you know what what's going to happen at south by 
southwest between Foursquare and Gowalla. And they right. um, they were all the talk the the previous year, but now they're now they both have money to play with and and what's going to happen. And yeah. And both teams, if you recall, were uh were just heavily investing in this. And we were you know, throwing money to other people's events. Um, we were planning, you know, our, our own event at the, at the time. Um, we, we are, our product. And even to this day, it's, this is one of the things that I, I can't wait to tell more about, you know, what we're working on. Uh, but our, you know, Koala, the big part of the product centered around, you know, uh, the passport and this idea that, uh, in Guala land, uh, your account is your passport. And the passport is, you know, it's a record of your identity, but it's also a record of all the places that you have been. And we worked with all these local merchants in Austin um, to, uh, you know, feature them in the product. So you can go around and you check in at all these places around uh, uh, around Austin. But not only that, if you came and you found... Um, uh, oh golly! Actually, now that I think about this, we we paid the money to we print we letter pressed physical passports and had them put into every uh, every bag at South by Southwest, and that was our you know our bag drop. And the and the the gist was is you could download the app and do it that way, but you could also go to all these local merchants and they would put like a physical sticker stamp, you know, in. Uh, in that passport and we had made it to look like the physical version of the the digital one that was in the app that's very um, cool it, it was super cool and probably one of my you know favorite kind of physical digital bridge um you know marketing stunts that we we ever did uh but we had that in the works and then um we had you know com- sponsor companies coming out of the woodworks who wanted to partner with us and, you know, Chevrolet called us up and said, hey, uh, you know, you want to do something at South by Southwest. They were one of the big other big like corporate sponsors. And we worked uh, we worked a deal with 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 Chevy where they had a, they had new suburban models at the time. And uh, we said, hey, why don't we've got an idea? We will uh, set up a, you know, a geofence at the Austin airport and, and anyone who checks in at the, at the Austin airport will have a, you know, one in whatever chance of winning a, uh, a ride to the airport and one of these new Chevy Suburbans. That's that, fun. Uh, uh, you know, so again, get people to check in, get them using the product. And it became kind of this surprise and delight moment of, you know, people would arrive at the gate and they'd pull out Gowalla. I'm here in Austin for South by Southwest. I'm going to check in. And then it's like, surprise, you know, um, there's a brand new Chevy Suburban waiting, you know, waiting for you at the curb. Um, And at this point, you know, they had just a button to say, hey, I accept I'm in. And once they did, you know, we'd forward their their name to the uh, to the driver who had it on the board, and and we set them up and, and gave them a nice ride to their uh, to wherever they were going. And this predated Uber by like three or four months. Like That's we amazing. Were, we, were on, <laughs> we were on this stuff. Um, maybe we should have just done that. Right. <laughs> Things would be very different if you had. <laughs> right. That's no, crazy, it was, though. It was a, it was like a that whole thing went you know went remarkably well, and we had all these you know uh, things along those lines that we were doing at, at South by Southwest, and it was a little bit of a uh, you know showcase for all the things you could do with this you know technology that um, found the intersection of uh, 
of digital and physical space and and was making you know making new things happen there and of course foursquare was doing uh you know similar things uh, of their own and there were companies that were you know uh, checking the data uh, and, and aggregating, you know, basically you can find like real time check in, you know, um, sites during South by Southwest of who, you know, who had the most people checking in at any given time or at any given place. And uh, again, this further like cemented um, this idea that check ins were the uh, the metric that everyone would judge the success of these two companies with and. Yeah, at the end of South by we there would be a, you know, Foursquare had four million check-ins and Koala had three point one million check-ins, and so Foursquare wins, and you know everyone was looking for that that sort of narrative. Right. Of course, we were desperately trying to you know trying to break that, but in the midst of it, like, um, you know, having a lot of fun uh, building this product out, and even at the time too, we we had our we had our own party, you know, there at, at South by, and and I believe. Um, uh, golly, I'm trying to remember who, if it was Biggie Smalls or Andre 3000, who, uh, who Foursquare had come to their party that year, but it was, it was kind of ridiculous. And then, uh, ourselves, um, you know, Sean was loosely involved in the music industry, if you recall. And Uh I, and I I was like, Sean, uh, like who can we get for our party? And I'm like, you think we could get Mark Ronson? That'd be really cool. And of course, Sean kind of laughs like, yeah, you, you can't afford Mark Ronson and you know, you shouldn't spend your money that way anyhow. Uh, but I know this guy, uh, I know this guy named Diplo uh, and he'd probably do it for you. <laughs> and uh, sure. So Sean introduced us to uh, Diplo's manager or That's whatnot. Crazy. And he said, yeah, let's, let's do this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is, uh, I, I look back at it now and I think, golly, that was probably, that was probably the cheapest check that Diplo was written in the last, you know, 15 years. That's amazing. Um, uh, but he came and, and, um, played a show in the rain, you know, uh, there at South by Southwest. And it was this like crazy sort of Silicon Valley in Austin, you know, euphoric moment of, um, venture capital and everything that it, you know, uh, it can bring about in a company and, uh, the highs that, you know, you look at it at that time, like this, is this is just amazing and everything's going so well. Um, and all the euphoria around this, you know, uh, these companies and what they're doing. And, and of course that, that like masks and covers up, you know, uh, again, some of the underlying issues that are, that are still there and, and products that haven't quite found, you know, their, their product market fit and, um, are still, uh, managing to grow, uh, due to, um, you know, just kind of the buzz and, and the interest in the space in general, but not necessarily because of like, you know, healthy habits. It's one right. thing to get people to check in when, um, when you're giving them a, you know, a, a free Chevy ride or tickets to a Diplo show. Um, but then it's another to like, are people doing it because the, the product is, um, you know, is compelling enough in and of itself, uh, to do that. And, and of course, going into South by there's the, uh, we got to launch an Android app by then. Uh, we have to have all these other apps, you know, ready. Uh, Palm, BlackBerry, Windows Phone. Uh, oh, and so, right. you know, yeah. So there's all this stuff because you, you got to make this big splash. And we, you know, you start spending all that money. Um, and we spent, 
you know, we, if you recall, we had, we had raised, um, you know, eight, eight million plus. Uh, we were still making some money uh, off of our, our pack rat game, although that was starting to dwindle because we were, you know, not devoting as much time or resources. Uh, I mean, when you say it. some money, I, you don't need to get talk specifics, but like enough to pay salaries or. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. To, we were, I mean, yeah. we we're making like it was still turning tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, a month for a time, which is which is a lot of money. But when your headcount starts going up, you know, it's actually right. not a lot of money. <clears throat> like know, like to the people to, in the audience who are sitting there saying, well, I make like 80K a year. They're like, that's more in a month than I make in a year. But you have to put that into right. perspective of, you know, when you're running a company that, that you're running, that's actually not that's not enough money to sustain things if you've got that, 30 employees. Or that's whatever. correct. And, you know, because... Uh, again, I mentioned the Android, you know, Android app. Um, this was a day that not a lot of there was not a lot of Android engineers. It was a new platform. We spent close to a million dollars in just a few months to port Gowalla to Android, um, and and then we spent probably another, you know, three or four hundred k to do you know the Palm and. And so you start looking, there goes a, you know, 1.2, 1.3 million dollars, um, you know, just for clones of a product that we still didn't totally have product market fit on. Right. Um, and that's, that's painful. I look back, I'm like, geez, that's, that's money we let on fire Seriously. right there. Um, and it's also, it, it's hard now because I, you know, we're working on, um, you know, we're, we're building an iOS product again now, and we're really, really excited about bringing it to Android. Uh, but I, I, I do, I've got like this, um, you know, I've got this allergy now of, huh. uh, of porting a product to multiple platforms before you, again, have like product market fit on one. Because it's just it's just really hard. It's well, really I mean, let me ask you a question. Say, oh, so much has changed in, in the years that, that have gone by since Goala originally launched and it's 2021 as we're recording this. It, is it safe to say that in 2021 you have to have both an iOS and, and an Android app? Can you still launch with just one? Is that a reasonable expectation that a company would need to have both starting out or is it, is it really you just build on the platform that you like or the one that you think will make, the most money or lead you to the most success? Mm, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, and, and again, the answer is going to be a disappointing. It depends. Right. Uh, but <laughs> but here's the, the the things at play. Um, you're right. The the markets for both are infinitely larger now. The market for in-app payments is um, significantly higher, you know, on the iOS side, the, the market as a whole is, you know, in terms of like raw users is significantly higher on the Android side. So there, there's the tension. Um, there are a lot of great frameworks now, you know, there's react native, there's a lot of ways that you can bring X expo. There's a lot of ways that you can bring native apps to market on both platforms. Um, at the same time, uh, and not spend an arm and a leg uh, to do it. And I think this works well if you're building enterprise software or you're doing things where uh, the nature of what you're building is is fairly well known. Mm -hmm. uh, again, you have a web product and you know, and it's successful. So you're Airtable, you've got this great uh, web-based uh, interactive database product. We need a mobile client for that. It needs to work on both platforms. 
your your product scope and definition is a lot more clear uh, and, and it makes sense at that point to, to bring it to market on both sides. If you're a big gaming company and you're you already have you know you're printing money either way, you know you maybe have the resources to uh, and, and again the means to bring something to market on, on both platforms. If you're if you're building something for you know a consumer experience and, and the it's unknown whether or not that is going to be successful. That's where it becomes harder to, I think, do both platforms at once. And Clubhouse is kind of like a, a very recent example of of this in action. And they, you know, they were iOS only for uh, nearly a year. And, and probably at the end of the day, we'd say that that, that was too long. Um, but it was a small team. I think originally, you know, uh, two people who built it. And again, you don't know if it's going to work. And so if you don't know if it's going to work, you're just going to build it for one, you know, one side. See, see if that works first, and then. And but then I mean, that seems that seems like the, a very reasonable way to do it, and especially for people who are just whether it's one person, two people, but they're not they're not coming into it with like you know five, ten, twenty million dollars in the bank. There's a couple people who right. are like working together out of their apartment or their dorm room or they're, you know, they're doing it on the side in the evenings and weekends around when their kids need to go to school, you know, and they're not going to have the luxury to say, well, you know, we'll do an Android app uh, as well. And they, they've got to kind of choose. Right. I mean, is there, a, do you have any advice for that? Like, which is going to be, because naturally I would think I would say, we'll just start with iOS then. Is that still the logic? I think that's still the logic, and, and there's a couple tailwinds that that make that so. Um, and there's a couple reasons not to, but the but for probably the people who are listening to this particular podcast mm-hmm. um, are early adopters, tech folks. There's definitely going to be some Android people who hear this and are like, "No, this is BS, and <laughs> I don't want to hear this." Right. But um, it the it has a stronger early adopter audience and it also, especially if you're building a product that is going to rely on in-app purchases, has a uh, an app store ecosystem backed by a company that uh, whether you like their editorial influence on the market or not, um, does tend to reward a quote unquote um exciting new ventures on their on their platform right. and they look at things and they say oh we've never seen anything quite like this before and it's uh, and it's special because it's on iOS only and we want to you know we want to help this thing be a success we have a vested interest in and in our platform being a success and in developers on our platform being successful and so I, I think that that is why iOS has continued to be kind of the default develop first mm-hmm. you know platform here because uh, the ecosystem is such that they're um, just a little bit um, friendlier for the North American and probably European markets. Now, the exception to this is if I were launching a, you know, if I were launching a product for Latin American or uh, an Asian market, I, I probably wouldn't do that first. It, again, you have a completely different ecosystem, and you have much stronger, you know, Android um, first adoption in those places. Uh, and I think that's where, you know, things change and that rubric is, is a little bit different. Um, but for us, launching specifically in um, 
in cities you know, again now relaunching again we'll we'll talk more about you know what it is that we're we're building as as the series goes on but the yeah the thought process of um you know developing iOS first still uh still rings true uh and again like we're just like the time you know location was a new thing and and this was new that GPS was available in um uh, in mobile devices and like on our BlackBerry port there, we had to make so many concessions from a technical standpoint to port to BlackBerry because there's so many old devices and not everything, you know, had the same sort of support and it's a mess, you know, and you, you spend a lot of time, you know, design resources, figuring out how you design for the limitations that a certain platform is going to have, um, and how you're going to cut corners to make things work that that worked on iOS but don't work on you know such and such another platform, right. uh, and and again we're still in a place where uh, while things were growing, they were we still weren't out of the woods. You know it wasn't like uh, it wasn't Twitter like growth or adoption yet. And, right. Uh, and and Foursquare too, like they were growing and they were still growing slightly faster than us, and so we were we were still that that number two player. Um, and so we, we left, you know, we left South by Southwest, you know, still in that, still in that bucket. Now we had a, bu- a bunch of new apps, uh, on a bunch of different platforms. Uh, we're still number two. So, so then the question from your investors are like, man, every, every update, you know, looks good, but, um, you know, for every, for every check-in you had, uh, this month they did two. Mm. Uh, so you got to fix that. And because their valuation at that point, you know, becomes a cap for yours. And, and after, after, uh, after South by Southwest, you know, or, or alongside it, you know, Foursquare raised money again. And at this point, they, their valuation had gone up over, you know, $100 million. And if you recall, um, you know, our, our previous, we had raised, you know, eight, eight million plus on, on, on top of that 20. And so we had this quasi $28 million valuation. Uh, and now Foursquare had raised money north of a hundred and Andreessen oh. had uh, led that round. And so now it's like, okay, well you have a, you have a market that says Foursquare is worth a hundred and something million dollars and they have, they're doing a million check-ins a day. Uh, well, you're doing 500, you know, thousand check-ins a day, or maybe only 300,000 check-ins a day. And so, ergo, um, your valuation is thirty percent of what theirs is, because that's the metric we're all judging this stuff by. Uh, and that's a tough place to be, you know, as a startup where right. your market has effectively been defined and your ceiling has been defined, because you can't go out and raise any higher than that now without somebody saying, "Well, how much is Foursquare worth, and what's their stats?" And we right. now know publicly. Um, and so. Uh, we can, you know, we can make a valuation, you know, a judgment call for years and say, oh, well, that's, you know, this is what your stats look like. I mean, that uh, must have been uh, partially frustrating, though, because, you know, to constantly be compared to a, oh, another it's, company it and sucks so bad. Um, like it, it, it really is the worst, you know, I can only um, imagine. And especially a company like that, that kind of I mean, it seems like they came into it with some advantages from day one, really. They did. And, and, uh, and I mean that in a good sort of way, like Dennis, uh, Dennis had the background of having built dodgeball before, which while, you know, somewhat different product shared a lot of very similar DNA. Um, 
he had been thinking about this longer than I had by at least, you know, five or six years. Uh, and it was real, a real pioneer, you know, kind of in this space. Um, and then New York also was like the perfect city uh, for this sort of product. And he had, um, and, I, and I mean, there's a couple of reasons why this is true. One, just the nature of the city. It's dense. Yeah. And people go out and do stuff a lot. And, and this is also like my, my sidebar theory of why you never saw a Foursquare Gowalla come out of San Francisco is it's because like everyone like freaking goes home at 8 p.m. And, all, <laughs> and like uh, or stays at the office until, you know, 10 o'clock. Like, the, no offense, but like the social lives of, you know, San Francisco then and now um, are not quite as robust as uh, as they were in New York and, and, or even Austin, for that matter. And so I, I think that, again, products take on, especially location-based products, take on the DNA of, of kind of their, their host city. And, and Foursquare had that going for them and, and New York. Not only that, uh, the New York media was very eager, um, you know, to kind of put themselves on par with West Coast and say, hey, look, we can do this too. And, you know, you, you did Twitter and you did Facebook, but look at us. We've got Foursquare and we're also... Um, and you had a, kind of a host of other New York-based uh, web companies that were coming of age at the same time, you know, as well. And so there's a lot of fuel behind the fire of um, wanting to see those companies succeed there. And that was one. This is one place where, like Austin, like we didn't have that. And, and I would have to make, um, you know, we do media tours and go up to New York for a few days and go like talk to all the publications and. You know, we'd have a new launch coming up. So, hey, let's go to New York and let's talk about this new feature or this this new promotion. Um, and one of the biggest ones that we that we did in the middle of all this, uh, this was like a shining moment, um, probably of of all the highlights of things that we we just freaking slam dunked it was uh, in the middle of all this. We managed to kind of pull off a coup and uh, strike a deal with Disney oh. to include all of you know include disney's ip in gowala but also manage this whole gowala experience at at disney parks and um we had brought in a, a good friend of mine his name is andy elwood to you know run business you know development you know for us and andy was you know response had been responsible for like the the chevrolet you know thing that we did at south by southwest but also was very instrumental in helping us bring this this disney thing about uh, which was which is really remarkable, and you know at the time uh, we worked probably six months getting this in place, and ultimately for us, you know, Disney said, "Hey, we we have a choice of how we want to build this out, and you've built this beautiful product that kind of uh, puts the artwork and the experience forward, and that's the sort of thing we want, you know, at at the parks when people come and they use Koala, and you can check in and." And, you know, unlock Disney content based on, you know, where you were uh, in the in the parks and in other Disney properties. And so this is a this is a really big deal for us. Um, and so, of course, you go to New York to do kind of the media tour, you know, in advance to say, hey, we've uh, we've done this deal and we're going to announce it in you know a couple of weeks. And here's a preview of all of it. And uh and the inevitable response, you know, would be, oh, man, this is really awesome. And that's so exciting for you. And also, how are those check-in numbers and how does this compare with Foursquare? Right. And it's just like a, it's just a freaking gravity hole, you know, and you cannot get out of it. Um, 
And so it's the sort of thing that, um, uh, you know, even in the midst of like your, your highs of doing, um, kind of these amazing experiences. And for us, that was, that was kind of like, for me, um, that moment where Gowala hit the, um, Hey, Dan, I'm going to, I'm switching my headphones. Sure. After sure. I'll put a little, sure. Sure. I'll put a little uh, note in there. Okay. Hang on here. Two seconds. This will be a minor, minor blip. Oh, it's no problem. Oh, it's no problem. Okay, we're back. No problem. Can you hear me? Yeah, perfectly. Okay. I don't know what happened. It just decided to drop my phones. So just there we go. Um, so yeah, I will. I'm going to pick back up here. We'll, we'll find the way. Um, yeah. So 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 for me, this was this is like peak koala this was um kind of the pinnacle for us of where the product you know was it was it was well conceived uh it was increasingly to the place where the people were using it the way that we wanted them to use it it was growing perhaps not as fast as we wanted it to but now we had we had this disney partnership and uh, it was a God, people loved it, you know, and it was a love, it was a love product. And right. so that was kind of the moment of like, man, it felt like, you know, everything was kind of going right. And we, we, we would find the turn, you know, to, you know, kind of get out into orbit at, at this point. Um, but yeah, we, we still, this was late spring, early summer of 2011. Uh, or no, no, this is, sorry. I'm sorry now. This was fall of, um, of 2010. So now we've come around, you know, come around the horn from, uh, uh, from South by Southwest. And, um, you know, things, uh, it was good. It was well-received and, and you got the growth out of it, but we couldn't, we just couldn't shake ourselves from, um, uh, that check-in count kind of being our, our measure of success. And, I mean, and and I'm being... curious because it, on the one hand, it, it makes a lot of sense. Like the, when I hear yeah. you say that, well, of course, I mean, it's an app that is about going places and checking in. So of course that would be, the way that it would be measured. But at the same time, I, as I hear you say that, I keep thinking to myself, well, yeah, but I mean, what, isn't there another way? Isn't there right. an additional value to it um, that, that can't be captured or summarized right. by the number of check-ins? Uh, Man, we, 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 we looked for it. We searched for it. And you, you try to think, well, how can you, how can you reframe things? Right. How do you, um, uh, how do you change it so that it's about um, not about check-ins, but about, you know, and we'd, we'd launch new features. We had this feature called highlights. So now you can leave highlights at the places that you go. And, you know, you, you try to like, again, re reframe uh, the activity, but none of those other things ever, you know, ever quite caught as well as the core did. Uh, and again, the core by some degree was a success. Um, but, but again, you know, I, I was actually talking. Um, I was talking with Dennis a few months ago about this same thing because we were we were commiserating, and um, I think both of us, you know, and I don't. I'm not here to tell their story because I think Dennis has a lot of. I I, I would want to hear his side of this so sure. so much at some point, but um, you know, we were we had these game mechanics around checking in and, and what would happen. And, and neither of us ever really figured out the, the now what, 
you know, so yeah. I check in and I got these stamps that filled out my passport or, you know, I check in and I became the mayor of a coffee shop uh, and I and I got these points. Well, what are the points good for? What are the stamps good for? Um, what next? And this like gets like the deeper, I mean, there's this tension of like, are we a game? Are we a social network? Uh, and, and we never found the answer, you know, to that. And it's, it's, this is the thing that now that we're revisiting this again, you know, I think we're coming back with, with a much sharper focus of, you know, we'll talk more about this, but like we, we really view, you know, what's the next step of the game, you know, after, after you, you know, after you check in, how do you, how do you win at this thing? What's it for? You know, what, what delight is it giving you beyond just the, the knowledge of, okay, I'm, you know, I got another stamp on my passport. Right. You know, why are you going to come back again? And I think, I think and, for a lot um, of people in the beginning, when in this, when the whole concept of it was fairly novel of, of the check-in, the check-in in and of itself was the goal. Right. And, right. and I think after a little while, people were like, yeah, okay. Like, so I've checked in now for the 50th time at my local Starbucks right. and I uh, was the mayor. And then this other person was the mayor and I don't really care if I'm the so, mayor anymore. Yeah. This other person's kind of weird and they check in three times. Right. Day. Anyhow, and they I'm check never, in when I'm they're driving by, that. you know, they don't even. Right. <laughs> and so, so then what? And, um, we were struggling to answer that, and and Foursquare was struggling to answer that. They they just had a lot more tailwind, you know, than than we did. Right. And um, so you know, there's there's some interesting twists that are coming that are coming into this story. And um, you know, I, I you know, we, we kept building. Um, we there's another South by Southwest came and went. Uh, you know, and, and after that one, you're starting to you know, get to the place where it's like, well, that $8 million we started with, um, there's a couple million left. And, you know, the, the, the team is hired and now you can start to see, well, you know, we've got money in the bank and it's going to get us through the, the end of the year, through the end of, um, uh, you know, 2011. Uh, but you know, we're going to have to raise more money again. Mm. And so you start to deal, you know, deal with these, uh, these thoughts. And, and so I began talking with our existing investors and talking, you know, to Greylock about this. And of course, you know, Greylock's on your board. They, they have a vested interest. Um, and they're super helpful. My, my word, like the, the people that we didn't, well, we didn't fail. I say we didn't fail because of lack of like smart minds, um, uh, in the room, Although sometimes I look back on those board meetings and I feel like, God, we had too many smart minds in the room. Oh. <laughs> like sometimes you have like too many good ideas. Um, yeah, there's some crazy board meetings. Of course, in the middle of it, like sidebar, uh, in the midst of all of this, uh, the the social network was was made. And, oh, the um, movie. The movie. Yeah. And we had a board meeting on the day that it was announced that um, Sean was going to be played by by Justin Timberlake. <laughs> and, uh, and this, this became, this was news maybe three or four hours before our board meeting. Oh, and, wow. uh, the, the board meeting was in the Presidio, um, in San Francisco. And I was staying somewhere along market street and I had just enough time, uh, to run to some like super sketchy t-shirt shop on, um, <laughs> uh, on market street. And I got them to like one out, like I got a, crappy jpeg of of justin timberlake and had them blow it up and die <laughs> oh, no. and die sub it on a t-shirt and um oh my gosh. Uh, i had two i had two done one one for sean you know uh and then i, I wore the second under a under a sport jacket 
Um, and I just remember like walking in, you know, Sean was notoriously notoriously late to board meetings. And so when he walked in, um, we all kind of knew like, Oh, I don't know how he's going to take this. He was nervous about the film, you know, to begin with, uh, and how, you know, everything would be portrayed. Um, and, uh, I remember it just being this, you know, moment of levity, uh, kind of breaking the ice and just getting the unspoken of like, yeah, you may be nervous about this, but come on, let's be honest. How many of us are, you're being played by JT and, uh, you know, in a Hollywood, I mean, the Fincher film. So like, come on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so there, there are some laughs along the way. Um, that's amazing. Uh, (laughs) I know. Right. Uh, so, Needless to say, um, your existing investors, you know, they they see the numbers and they can, you know, they see the good, the bad and the ugly. And our, and our ugly was such that we were running out of money and um, we needed we needed more. Uh, and, our, and our numbers were such that, um, you know, we were going to have to go out and basically raise at a discount uh, to what Fourscore is raising, you know, in the market. So. We began the we get, began the process again, and you start looking for introductions, and, and this time it's a lot harder. You know, it wasn't the the way that it was the time before uh, because people you know see a lot more information, and, and not only uh, not only this in the world of local local internet stuff. Uh, if you recall, a, a company called Groupon was founded oh, uh, along about those. That was those right at this time well. period. Yeah, so this is this would have been you know. Sp- Groupon actually came along, yeah, I think late 2010, but coming into um, 2011, um, and there, you know, there was a lot of interest on that sort of thing. Um, how do you know how do how do these apps benefit local businesses, and how do we make how do we make money off of local businesses? And so there's all this pressure now too of like, oh, well, what are you doing at Gowala to help local businesses? Well, you know, we, we made a freaking game, you know, it wasn't like like and a game that loves local businesses to be clear, but like we didn't we didn't step into this with um uh um you know the mind that we were going to build like kind of a a legion for for small businesses, and you know, so in the midst of all this, um. I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna walk carefully uh, here because I haven't talked about a lot of this before, and and uh, and I wanted to put it put it in the right light. But um, uh, in the midst of like all of that, um, all that hype, uh, Greylock ended up leading a, a very large round, you know, in Groupon, and there was a lot of excitement, you know, about it. And and I remember the day that it happened. Um, uh, because, you know, the, the partner who was working with us there called up and was like, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to do this deal and we're really excited about it. And, and we're, you know, uh, it's adjacent to Guala. I know, you know, every, everyone's in the local business space and everything. Um, but, uh, but, it, and they know that I'm on the board here and, uh, it's all cool, you know, and, and, it, and, you know, you take it at face value and, and I, and I believed, you know, best of intentions and obviously like Groupon was a hot ticket at the time and you didn't really think twice about it. Um, until like we were fundraising, you know, we kind of started this process again a couple of weeks later and I had gone out and you kind of do like, um, you kind of like repitch, um, your existing investors in a lot of ways. It's like a dry run, you know, of, uh, they can kind of give you feedback. Hey, how's this going to sound when you go out and do it again? And I remember I, I had a 
kind of that repitch meeting with with Greylock, and afterward, um, the partner came to me and was like, "Hey, um, uh, I actually as a, as a part of this, um, you know, I, they gave me an offer to come on and, and, and join and, and be a part of like this incredible stuff that's happening at Groupon and." And I've decided to do that. Um, and and mm. as a as a as a product person myself, um, I could t- kind of tell that it was in this person's veins to you know to go back and uh, and kind of like not go full VC at this stage in their career. And, and I totally get that. And it was one of those situations where um, you know the the way the circumstances lined up. This, uh, you know, obviously Greylock made an incredible investment um, and was in, introduced an incredible opportunity to, to be a part of that. Uh, and at the end of the day, though, um, it put us in a place where, uh, you know, just just to be frank about it, we we lacked kind of our anchor within Greylock as a firm at that point, you know, to uh, to have them throw um additional investment behind us and the this is where it gets just really freaking tough you know um as a as a founder when you when you end up in a situation where it's like you know on one hand it it sucks to um kind of lose uh your board representation um to a company that's quasi kind of in not the same space, but like adjacent. I mean, it's feels um, almost like the same space. Yeah. And, and, and so that, that sucks. And that was a blow. Uh, and again, I, all my love to the, the team at Greylock is inevitably somebody will listen to this and I, and I want them to know, you know, um, you're not angry. Uh, I'm not angry. And, and then the flip side of that is like, you know, we weren't getting our shit done. You know, and the reality is if like if if we were growing, that would have been a problem. Like somebody would have stepped up and been like, yeah, we got this. Like, it, you know, there's a win win here for everybody. And this is this is when you realize, like, the way things are. Mm. Um, and when you you know, the flip side, you can look. This goes back to Mike. Uh, what what happened? Decisions or mistakes were made. <laughs> um I'm not saying it, it was a it was a mistake to raise money from Greylock. I'm just saying that there is these are the dynamics that are at play, and I think it's important for founders to understand right. that um, the money that was invested in Gowalla came out of the same fund that that invested in Airbnb and Dropbox and Facebook. And you know how you know how profitable that fund was, like like insanely profitable. Yeah. It made like money hands over fist. So at the end of the day, it's like, Oh, we, we have, you know, $5 million invested in Gowalla. Like that's, that's nothing. Right. You know, in the grand scheme of things, yeah. like they had already made that money times over and times over again. And not only that, um, you know, uh, additional investment was going into Groupon that, you know, 10x, you know, the investment that they put into us. So you just realized, like, the economics are, um, were not in our favor. Mm-hmm. And, and you start to Monday morning quarterback and think, man, if I had taken that blank check, you know, uh, term sheet uh, from a smaller fund that had a smaller amount of money at play, um, you know, it would have... Uh, we might have a different outcome here, you know, or at least had somebody who had more skin in the game to, you know, help us get to yeah, the I mean, next you level. can't let yourself lose sleep over that though. You know what I'm saying? No, like, you, you, can't. you can't at all. Like you can't, like I said, these, you know, these are the, the way things go, 
the way things go down. And I think it's, it's, it's good to hear some of these stories get out there though, because, um, you do kind of realize like sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes the dominoes just again, fall the way they fall. Yeah. And we, we did not put ourselves in a good position to be clear. Um, but you know, things kind of at this point went from, uh, you know, not ideal to like really not, not great at all. Uh, now, now to, to Greylock's credit where they were extremely helpful at that point was, was saying, Hey, like, um, this isn't an ideal situation for everybody. Um, but we have an opportunity to like basically find, find the best outcome, you know, for, for everybody involved here. And regardless of, uh, where the company currently is, uh, it could be, you know, um, it could find a home at a number of other places or still maybe we can find, uh, you know, we can find another investor to come in and, um, and still, you know, get this thing to the next level. And so we, we, we continued to go down that path of, um, uh, trying to raise money while simultaneously also exploring quote unquote strategic opportunities Mm. with, um, with other companies. And, um, uh, we, we began working with, a with a new partner, um, at Greylock who has, has become frankly, one of my, um, uh, best friends in the in the industry. Um, his name is John Lilly. A lot of people, a lot of people know John. Um, uh, but but John and, and the outcome of all this, John and Greylock were were real champs in how they 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 handled the situation. Um, and so it was kind of this: Hey, we, we've got some rough roads ahead. How do we how do we navigate? You know, how do we navigate this time? Um, and so we began to, you know, yeah, go through these meetings, go through these processes. Uh, we got to know uh, the team at Facebook really well. They had launched a check-in product of their own and uh, had like kind of syndicated a lot of our stuff. Of course, you think, um, oh, well, that'll that'll boost our numbers too. But you know, at the end of the day, that that helps Facebook as well. And uh, you know, they uh, their product got off to the races. And I think again, it validates what we were trying to do. But at the same time. Uh, wasn't really netting us any gain, uh, and then in the midst of it, the um, the real like eye opener uh, was there's this other check in company called Bourbon, and I remember like seeing it come about and was like, golly, another check in company like we can hardly you know make this thing work ourselves, and somebody else is going to try to do this, right? Uh, and I remember looking at Bourbon and thinking like, golly, this is a fool's a fool's mission, like Foursquare's you know, beating us in the market. We're trying to make the turn here and I don't know what's going to happen to us. Uh, and here are these bourbon guys. And I, and I remember using the product a little bit and was like, I, I don't know about this. Um, <laughs> and, the, and the two guys behind it were uh, Kevin Sistrom and, and, and Mikey Krieger. And of course, um, uh, a few months into it, I think they rightly saw, you know, what we saw as well. And we're like, well, man, we we're building this product and it has check-ins and photos and all these things and it, and it's too busy and check-ins aren't the thing well, what is the thing oh photos are the thing mm. and um they uh they turned it upside down and said let's put the photo first and let's um let's make the place secondary to the whole thing and let's make it super fast and make it so that people can um uh you know, quickly filter their photos and make them look fun um and and they they rebranded bourbon and launched it as as Instagram and um, crazy. 
Yeah. And that's how quick these things can turn. And just like that, you can realize like how, you know, you can be just like one devi- you know, standard deviation or, you know, two away from, you know, having the combination right, uh, yeah, you know, in, in a certain way. And, and at that moment, it was like, you know, uh, Instagram was a, was a rocket ship. Um, and I mean, within, I don't know, I, I, you have to go back and look, but it was like within six or eight weeks there, uh, not only did, did their numbers eclipse ours, but, but they eclipsed, you know, four squares. Everyone's well. and everybody's. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, that was, um, I think a testament to, you know, uh, again, just their ingenuity and ability to read the room, uh, and, and launch something that, you know, people were excited about, you know, and for us, um, God, we were in a rough spot. Yeah. So absolutely. I should, we've talked a long time. I should wait. I've yeah, got more. I want to hear like it. Uh, so to, if, if in the like meantime, if, to, if people want to get in touch with you, JW if pe- on Twitter, is that the best way to do it? That's right. Okay. JW on Twitter. Um, they should also follow Gowala because we're here pimping our stuff. And, um, uh, you know, we're going to talk more about, you know, what we're building next, you know, soon. Um, but this was a lot. That was a lot. a lot. Yeah, you had a lot to unpack uh, here for sure. So, so, well, if if anyone wants to ask you questions, JW on uh, Twitter, I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. You can also go to goala.fireside.fm and click the contact link, link and send us uh, links or questions or thoughts, comments, feedback that way. We'd love to hear it. And uh, that's it. That's all we got. We'll be back next week. Have, have a good one, John. Thanks so much. Thanks, Dan.